The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. Season 2 provides more episodes and features a wider variety of professions. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hey, it's Steven, your host for Black Doctors Podcast. I'm coming to you this week, the special Veterans Day edition of the show. We're commemorating Veterans Day. Originally, it was uh, known as Armistice Day, and it was designated to celebrate veterans of World War I who served their country. And now we use this day to recognize folks that have sacrificed a great amount for our country who are still living uh, among us. So today we have Dr. Antonio Webb. He is an orthopedic spine surgeon. He currently practices at the South Texas Spine Clinic in San Antonio, Texas. But originally, he's a native of Shreveport, Louisiana. In addition to being a surgeon, he is an author, YouTube sensation, and motivational speaker. Um, you can definitely should check out his book, Overcoming the Odds. Dr. Webb, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me. Let's get into it, man. I did uh, order a copy of your book so I could uh, study up before we got on the phone. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So when you first decided to go into the Air Force, you had this family history of service in the military. At that time, you knew you wanted to go into the medical field, but you delayed that to join the service. Can you tell us more about that decision you made? Yeah, so my father was in the Air Force and retired. He spent some time in the Army Army as well. And then my older brother, he's active duty Army still. He's been in for about 22 years. So I, I came from a family history of being in the military, and I kind of wanted to follow that same kind of path also have a way to pay for school and gain some experience before going off to medical school. So I joined the Air Force at age 17 and did eight years in the military and got out and went to med school afterwards. Yeah. And when you joined the service, was that before or after uh, 9-11 had occurred? This was before. So I joined in January of 2001. And as you guys know, uh, September 11th, 2001. Uh, was yeah, kind of a couple months before actually. And so, as a consequence, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. And shortly thereafter, you yourself were deployed. How was that experience? Yeah, it was a pretty dangerous time. You know, we went there to uh, we took over for the army. They went out and secured an area uh, right outside of Baghdad, and we um, set up basically our hospital or kind of deployed kind of possible and and that's kind of what we worked out of for a few months uh, taking care of wounded soldiers and when you were in country like what was your rank and what was your primary job there so i was i was around 22 years old i think i was 21 or 22 and my job was a medic so i took care of soldiers who were injured took care of the iraqi insurgents um and you know, essentially just kind of stabilizing patients and soldiers until they got them out of the uh, war zone and got them over to uh, Ramstein, Germany. But uh, I was a uh, staff sergeant at that. No, I was actually, I think I was E4 or E5. So it's a senior airman or a staff sergeant, I don't recall. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that when you're in the military, there's a lot of other jobs that you do. So even though you're a medic, I know reading your book, you were running security and doing some some other stuff. So, so how was that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the military is, you know, if there's any downtime or 
there's other things that need to get done. I mean, you, you have to kind of step up to the plate. So we, we did uh, perform security. We had security details, basically kind of guarding our compound. Someone had to uh, kind of guard our perimeter and uh, just like checking everyone who kind of came in kind of close to our area and kind of where we were working. But we did that and kind of other details, transporting patients. Uh, went on a couple of runs with the uh, Army while I was there. And, uh, yeah, a lot of other things besides just uh, my main job as a medic. From day to day, like, what did you think about? Were you thinking about getting back home safe? Or, like, how did you pass the time uh, mentally? Uh, I think just taking it day by day. You know, I did a lot of reading. I was actually taking pre-med courses at that time. So I had to drop a couple of classes or did not take classes that semester. You know, when I was... On active duty, I was going to school full-time, like in the nighttime or weekends, internet courses. So while I was in Iraq, you know, any downtime that I had, I was my head was in the book trying to read, you know, biochemistry or cell bio and just trying to prepare for the arrival back to the U.S. so I can get back in school. But, you know, uh, a lot of working out and uh, trying to pass by the time as safely and as best as I uh, could. Yeah, and speaking of uh, safety, because you paint a pretty uh, hairy picture of your living situations over there Mm -hmm. in Iraq, especially uh, your second day in country, there was an event that was probably hit pretty close to home. you mind telling us about that? Yeah, so I I was deployed to a place called Mortarville. They called it that because um, the amount of mortar attacks that we received on a daily basis, um, it was said that my unit, we survived over... 100 of these attacks, and basically these are rocket-propelled grenades or RPGs is what we call them. And, yeah, there was a few instances where they got very close to um, hitting our compound, and they actually shot one of the uh, grenades, and it went. I heard it go over my head and hit the ground and um, right outside of our tent location where we uh, were taking care of patients. But luckily that... RPG didn't go off as a dud, which means the explosive ordnance team had to come in and detonate it. But um, I'm pretty sure if that would have went off, it would took out our whole compound because the only thing really that was separating us from that grenade was actually uh, just the tents. And we had sandbags kind of around the tents, but, you know, that probably wasn't going to be uh, much of protection. But, yeah, we had a couple close calls like that. And, you know, it seems like every holiday or usually in the night times when, you know, the insurgents tried to uh, act up or just wanted to uh, start some firefights. It's a close call, man. A couple of them sounds like. I'm glad you're, uh, you you made it through. Yeah, you know, a number of them. I mean, I, I distinctly remember a few of them where, you know, it was so loud. It's probably some of the loudest noises I've ever heard in my life. And it's just, you would just, uh, you kind of crumble and kind of go into a little frenzy because, you know, it's so loud and so disturbing. You know, I've never heard noises that loud until you hear like a bomb go off or a grenade. I mean, those are some really loud noises. How long were you in theater for? I was there for about five months. And um, in that time, you cared for over 800 patients. Mm-hmm. You earned numerous awards and achievement medals before uh, rotating back to the States. Once you got back, you know, you were able to proceed with that pathway of getting into medical school. So how was that transition back home and then back into a very heavy academic schedule? 
you know, it was a really rough <clears throat> transition. I did have some symptoms and uh, of like PTSD when I got back, and you know, that's one of the things that I'm kind of talked about in my book. But you know, just being around loud noises, the Fourth of July, even to this day, I have a you know, there's firecrackers or kind of loud noises. Those things kind of remind me of things that I saw there. But um, it, yeah, it was definitely a kind of rough transition getting back. If you imagine being in a type of environment for so many months and then all of a sudden going back into the real world or, you know, getting back to the States, you know, you, it's a big adjustment, but I got back and rolled back into school again and tried to get back on my uh, kind of plan to become a physician and complete my pre-med courses and uh, still went to school full time. And it had a rough kind of number of years trying to get into medical school. It took me three, uh, attempts to get in and every single year I got rejected, mm-hmm. but, you know, kept applying and, and eventually uh, got in. Yeah. And, and, uh, you initially got into a master's program at Georgetown. Is that correct? It was a postback program. And then after finishing that, you started in uh what, 2010 at Georgetown? Yep. 2010. Which is, uh, it's funny cause that's kind of where our paths collide. Cause I started medical school at Howard in 2010. So we were, uh, we were pretty close. Yeah, right down the street, not too far away. Surprised I didn't run into you, D.C. Street. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, at what point did you decide that orthopedic surgery was the specialty for you? Um, I, I knew since I was like three years old I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. No, I'm just joking. Um, I, it was my, <laughs> my third year of med school. Uh, I, after my rotation in it, I, you know, I just fell in love with it. I love the collegial kind of and um, atmosphere of it you know it's kind of like a a group of people that get along really well and everybody had great attitudes and work really hard and i love the procedures kind of putting things back together and kind of the reconstructive aspect of it and yeah it's probably my end of my third year when i kind of solidified my decision to go into it nice and then uh you matched down there in texas at what point did you write your book or when did you decide to write a book it was probably the end of, kind of towards the end of medical school, intern year, where um, I kind of just, it, it took me a while and kind of compiled a whole bunch of things that I, from my past. And and I, I wanted to also give some advice to students or, you know, a young kid that maybe pick up the book and they can just use it as a reference. But um, I, it was end of medical school, intern intern year when it kind of came out yeah and i will say you know since I, I bought this book so i could read up before talking to you and i was uh pretty impressed with after each chapter you included just pages of advice on various topics yeah you know it, it just things that i wish i would have known um over the years and a kid from a similar background as myself hopefully they don't make those same mistakes so I, that, that's kind of my target audience, but you know, people that are 80 years old that read it, reads it and people that are 10, 11 years old. So, um, but that's kind of the impetus behind, you know, putting the advice and what I can kind of lead to the next generation of uh, young kids out there. And, you know, the little bit that I've gotten to know you over the last couple of months or years, multitask is, mm-hmm. is the word that, comes to mind right so whether it was back when you were in 
the service and taking all these courses or studying while you're in Iraq or writing books while you're an orthopedic surgery intern. How do you do it all? How do you make it all fit into your schedule? Well, I think one needs to, yeah, you have to make sacrifices. So you have to figure out what's most important for you and like, what are you looking to, you know, get out of your life? So I make a lot of sacrifices. There's some things that a lot of people do in terms of like maybe going out or drinking or hanging out in certain places. Well, you know, I, I may not be able to do those things because, you know, I have a lot of other things on my plate. So I think it's also important to kind of plan things out. <clears throat> my days, weeks, months are all planned out and I know exactly what I need to accomplish kind of prior to the day ending or the week ending. And I just kind of picked that up when I was in the military, just being very disciplined with my studies and kind of my overall kind of different businesses that I uh, currently have. And then how else did the military um, kind of help influence and guide you during medical school and residency? Um, I think it also taught me resilience. You know, that's extremely important when you're a surgeon. You know, things can go wrong really quickly. You know, you just have to be very resilient. You've been in Iraq getting shot at and these missiles kind of going everywhere and taking firefights or, you know, taking small arm fires. Uh, you have to be, you're, you're taking care of patients, soldiers. So when all those things are going on, you can't just uh, curl up in the corner. You got to keep doing your job. So I kind of correlate that and kind of extrapolated that to medicine. When things are going wrong in the operating room, you just have to maintain your composure, composure, because, you know, everyone's looking at you as a surgeon, and if they see that you're freaking out, you're screaming at, oh, the patient's bleeding or some type of complication, you know, everyone else is going to be uh, nervous as well. So I, I got I got that from the military as well as leadership skills. Um, the uh, I went in very young when I was 17, so I matured, you know, <laughs> quickly uh, matured in yeah. boot camp and all those other things. So the, the military actually set me up for success. and it um, got me to the point where I'm at today. And, um, you know, during your training, whether residency or fellowship, what were some of the things you struggled with, direct problems with? For me, I've never been the best standardized test taker, so struggled with that kind of my whole life. But after the prospect program that I did, they essentially, when you come into the program, they just break everything down that you have learned thus far and teach you how to study, teach, teach you how to take tests, teach you how to conceptualize, teach you how to present in the uh, hospital. And and that's kind of what kind of um, set me up for success in medical school is that program and did really well on step, the step exams, passed orthopedic surgery boards on the first time. And uh, But I, I would say it's probably the standardized test taking. Yeah, I know that uh, it's a struggle for a lot of people. Do you still keep in contact with any of the folks that you served with? Yeah, a few of them. You know, we, we uh, kind of keep in touch. And, you know, I, I was stationed in the military here in San Antonio. So I see quite a few of the people that I was in the military with actually saw one of my former military uh, medics that we were kind of co-military uh, medics. Uh, she sent me a patient of her uh, significant other. I saw him in office this past week, so that was pretty cool. Fifteen years ago, that um, you know, she sent him to uh, see me as a patient. But yeah, I, I keep up with a few of them. Yeah, now the military is good for sending you folks with back problems. 
Oh yeah, a lot of people have back problems in the military. Shifting gears a little bit, you know, along the way, you, you wrote this book, you got into motivational speaking, you started YouTubing. How long have you been doing the YouTube videos for? Um, for a couple of years. I started off with a blog in medical school. I wanted something that my family members can kind of follow my progress. And I, I just basically did it for them. But somehow students kind of found it and then they started sending me questions. And they were sending me kind of very similar questions. So I thought, you know, it's probably a little bit better if I put this into a video format. And I also realized that there was really no surgeons, doctors out there kind of blogging. Um, and there's still not a lot of them also, even to this day. And YouTube has millions of people and billions of views per month. So I uh, kind of transitioned to uh, kind of a video format and kind of stuck with it uh, over the years. Yeah, what's been your uh, best video so far? The one where I talked about military uh, pay? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> no, uh, but when you break it down, you know what? What do you think has been your your best uh, video you put out? Um, I, I think people really like to hear my story about you know the struggles that I went through to kind of get to this point. But um, I, I, that's one of my passions is videography and cinematography. So you know, any video that I put out, you know, especially ones that take a little bit longer to kind of edit and kind of create, you know, those are kind of my favorite ones. But uh, most of the uh, vlogs, I love doing vlogs and, you know, they take quite a bit of a time to kind of create, but, uh, you know, once you get the uh, finished product, uh, it can really inspire a lot of people and kind of show them, give them some insight into life as a surgeon. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, just, seeing the reach and the impact that you've been able to have on hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, really, um, it, it's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We just hit over uh, 25 million kind of total views for the uh, channel Jeez. recently. You know, as a prior service member and myself, I'm on active duty. I work with a lot of young enlisted guys and I'm in there trying to, help mentor them, but I've never been enlisted. I don't know what their life is kind of like. I try to relate, but what would you say to the enlisted folks out there that are listening that are thinking about college or a job in the health sciences? What advice would you give to those folks? I would say take full advantage of what the military has to offer. When I was um, pretty sure it's still like this. When I was active duty, it was a hundred percent that they would take care of your tuition all of your books and fees. And then we even had professors in different schools that would come to the base in the evening time just to teach us. So I took a lot of classes like on base right after I got off of my shift, I would go over to the education center where there was a school and professor that would teach us certain topics. So um, just take advantage of that time. And, um, you know, everything else at the military kind of offers, make sure that uh, you uh, take advantage of those things as well, including, you know, all the educational benefits. You don't want to kind of uh, go through four to six years of being in the military and then get out and then, then try to go to school. You want to take advantage of those things while you're, you're in. It, it's possible. You know, it's challenging. You have to make some sacrifices, but it's uh, definitely worth it. In the end. Fantastic advice from somebody who's actually lived it. So I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Yeah, so Dr. Webb, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on 
Um, again, happy to honor you and to feature you for this Veterans Day. What would you tell our folks, you know, how they can get a hold of you? I, I gave you a little bio in the beginning. I know I left some stuff out. What do you want to make sure folks know about you? I can be found at Antonio Web MD. That's kind of all my social media sites and um, anything else in terms of my story or kind of what my plans are for the future, including um, I have a documentary slash movie called Overcoming the Odds movie coming out here uh, probably early in 2021 and uh, really looking forward to getting that out and kind of expiring kind of young kids from a community like mine. That's uh, incredible. Can't wait to see that drop. Again, if you haven't already, check out his book, Overcoming the Odds book. It's on Amazon or wherever you read books these days. His YouTube channel, like he said, Antonio WebMD. He literally has videos for everybody. He has a comprehensive day in the life series where he features all types of different specialties and different uh, careers and breaks those down for folks to listen to, to watch and to learn. Um, and I know he's, I know you're, you're super busy with different motivational speaking engagements and, and, and stuff. So, so folks just keep an eye out for you. Check out his website and you can uh, see where he'll be popping up. All right. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Dr. Bradley and keep up your work. The podcast. I appreciate the, uh, you having me on tonight. The Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast with Dr. Stephen Bradley, your friendly neighborhood.